Artcentric Podcast with Rafi and Klee. Hola, you amazing artists. It's Rafi and Klee. And today we are going to talk about breaking the rules in the art world. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. So um, if I sound a little bit off today, it's because we are dealing with a vermin getting into our art studio. A winged vermin. A winged vermin. Uh, I've said, holy bat funk, Batman. (laughs) Yes. So we're going to talk about being, um, you know, freaking awesome in the art world and stuff. And hopefully I could get myself out of the bat funk. Bat funk. That's all I could think of now mm-hmm. after the holy bat funk off. <laughs> Stephanie's here. Hi, Stephanie. And Hi, by the way, Stephanie. by the way, you guys, if you're listening to this, um, we have our amazing rogue artist family here with us today. So if you hear us reading comments, that's who we are reading comments by. They're going to give us their suggestions, questions, stories, anecdotes, all the brilliant stuff that comes out from these artists that are from all around the world. And they are awesome. That's I'm just going to stop there because I could just go on talking about how awesome they are. And they always make these podcasts so much more interesting because we get a lot of perspectives and insight into things that typically... um, you know, with Clean Eye, it's just two of us, two artists that are doing this thing, and everybody has a different perspective, a different way of seeing things. And mm-hmm. I always love having this vast perspective that comes from, from everywhere. Group discussion. Exactly. So what do I mean by breaking the rules in the art world? Okay, so I thought Clee was going to answer that. But she did not. Uh, well, I had the benefit getting started of having virtually no idea what the rules of the art world were. <laughs> well, the thing is that so when I first started, right, there there was this very narrow point of view on how to become an artist. Right. So you basically had to go to school for art. And then after you, when you went to school for art, then you came out in a group exhibition that was hosted. You wanted to be in a prestigious art school, right? That was going to get noticed by um, people in the art world, have a group show, get representation of some sort because of the group show, more than one group show you would have to do, and then get into a prestigious gallery. And so... Basically, every step in the process is you jumping through hoops in order to get into the art world, in order to be an artist. Very similar to the music world back in the day, right? You establish yourselves, you play the circuit, you perform opening for other bands that have a better reputation than you do, and then hope to get picked up by a label, which... Uh, would translate in the art world to gallery representation, but ultimately right. it's the same process. It really is the same process. I, I I remember I you know my family, my brother is a musician and stuff, and like you know knew a lot of bands and different friends that were musicians, and like the dream was to get signed, right? So essentially, and as an artist, that was the dream. It's like to get noticed, essentially, is what that means. To get signed means to get noticed by people that are important. And I think that that's where a lot of these rules come from. It's turned into this hierarchy. I shouldn't say it's turned into this. It's become over generations and generations, this hierarchy of like, it's almost, it's impossible to become an artist unless you follow these specific rules to get into the art world. Now you and I getting started in doing what we did Although I had that belief system for a long time, I would say that it was at the point where I started to question my own thoughts, right? We got into Pensacola. We started by approaching galleries Mm -hmm. to try and, like, you know, get our stuff out there. And they were like, no. (laughs) They were like, no, we don't know who you're... We had just arrived in Pensacola. Nobody knew who we were. We didn't didn't have... You know, I, I think... I just started my art career, so there was, like, hardly any art other than the stuff that I was, like, creating at the flea market. And that's where, like, realizing, okay, so I could get stopped, do the process of, like, well, now I have to create a body of work in order to be able to present this thing to this gallery. And, you know, so you go through all this trouble of, like, creating this work that you're hoping that they like in order to get accepted 
right? And that's basically the search of validation has become this whole thing in the art world where an artist who is the one that is creating the work, the one that is innovating, the one that is inventing stuff. The engine that propels the art world forward. <laughs> exactly. The artist is the engine that propels the art world forward. And yet it's almost like these amazing, explosive forces of nature, these creative forces of nature um, have been taught to give in to the demands of the middleman. You know, almost like the person that has the gallery or the person that is already established in the art world is the professional and they tell you what to do and you have to do it in order to be able, if you follow the rules, then you can get in. And I think for us, you know, after getting rejected, I was like, well, what the fuck? Like, what am I supposed to do? Wait around and create a body of work and keep jumping through hoops, keep approaching them, hoping that I'll get accepted. And that's where you and I were like, no, we're just, you know, how can we show our art? Because at the end of the day, it's not the it's not the galleries and not the middlemen and not the agents and not the whatever they're going to make you, you know, they're going to make or break you. It's you, how willing you are to put yourself out there and create your own following, your own collectors, your own family of people that uh, follow what you do. Instead of like trying to fit into some mold that already exists, like like I said before, we're forces of nature. There's no reason for us to follow anybody's rules in order to express ourselves. And we're realizing this now in all the different um, areas, in publication, in music distribution, in the art world. More and more people realize now that they can bypass the middlemen and and basically put their stuff directly in front of potential listeners, potential readers, potential collectors. And as such, the gatekeepers, understanding that they're losing their grip, um, have tried to buckle down <laughs> and dig their heels in. But we have more capability than ever before to circumvent the system. Well, I think that's because, you know, with the invention of the internet, there's a lot more widespread information. So instead of like just being in a neighborhood where, you know, back in the day, you lucked out if you got a group of artists that were breaking the rules, like, um, you know, you see those pictures of like Picasso with, you know, all these like different artists and stuff. And it was like these people that got together that realized like, wait a second, we don't have to follow the rules of the art world. We're much more powerful than they are. We're the ones that produce. They can't do anything without us, right? It's like realizing that, like the art world, galleries, all that, none of them could do any. And I'm not saying that galleries are bad or anything because every no gallery is created equal. No art agent is created equal. Uh, the areas in the art world, there are multiple areas of the art world. But I, what I'm talking about is the perception, the perception that's out there that's designed to make you feel like you do have to gain validation before you could even call yourself an artist. Sarah said, it's good to know the rules so that you know when you're breaking them. <laughs> yes, <laughs> indeed. Uh, Ev said, how can we capture artists into a holding tank and force them to become a commodity when we want them? Hmm, I have an evil idea says VP of Crap Corp Inc. Jump, monkey, jump. Yeah, and the carrot that you that you get dangled in front of your face with a label, with a, pu a publishing house, with a um, with gallery representation is money. They're yep. like, hey, you like money, right? We have a lot of it, and we'll give you a bunch of it up front if you will be. Um, uh, beholden to us in perpetuity. Yeah. And a lot of people were like, yeah, give me that. Well, that's the problem is that the goal is to get noticed. The goal is to get signed, right? And so here you are, you're just starting your thing. You're, you just started to put yourself out there. You don't have that big of a following, right? And then they come in and they're like, oh, we could, we could mold this one. And and again, I'm not saying that everybody's like that, but you really have to do watch out. You have to watch out for this where it's like we can mold this one, make them sign. You're going to sign away your life in a contract, right? Every big musician out there, um, every big artist will tell you, be careful what you sign. And in the beginning, when you're desperate to get signed, desperate to get noticed, desperate to get that validation, um, a lot of people aren't very careful about 
what the paperwork that they're signing or the deals that they're signing into, when you build your own art career and you're doing this long term and you persist and you really start to get to a place where you're like, you know what, I could I could ideally make a living with this. Maybe I'm not going to make it big. Whenever somebody comes in and offers you something, you become a little bit more scrutinous of what the deal is because you don't need them. I don't need the art world. I don't need these people to validate my, my existence or whatever. So it's like there's a contract and you're going to look and see like, what am I getting and what are they getting? And is this fair versus I will sign away my life to become famous. That, that's unfortunately, that's how it is for a lot of people. <laughs> and they're like, oh, no, 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 not that ballpoint here. Sign it in blood. <laughs> right. Ev said, isn't it funny how all of the discussion around AI in the creative fields is centered around being able to have an artist at the ready whenever they need to make a buck? That's their entire model. Exactly. Exactly. Marty said, I remember sending off snail mail, children's stories to big publishers to get postcard rejections. It got pricey and frustrating. Now I'm working on my own for publishing. Beautiful, Marty. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. On hand said, shh, don't tell anyone. I'm also on a call for work. You, <laughs> you told everyone. <laughs> you told everyone. <laughs> the people at work probably don't listen to this podcast. No, so probably you're not. fine. I think we're okay. Uh, Zara said, yep, everything is up to you. The galleries have their own shit going on. They're not exactly focused on you. You have other artists to worry about too and their overhead. Yeah. And that's the thing you guys like, I'm not, I'm not here to bash galleries. Like the rules in the art world don't, they don't go across the board. It's not like that for a lot of people. I know, you know, we work with gallery owners that like are, are great. Are great. They're artists themselves. They're interested in, or they just love art and they really, really want to promote the artists that get in there. And so they have their own stuff that they, they have to worry about. They have a brick and mortar. Most of them have a brick and mortar location. So they have overhead and they have all that stuff. The thing about it for me is like the perception more along the lines of what the perception is. And there are some um, predatory galleries out there. There are some predatory uh, mags. I mean, there's predatory stuff for artists anywhere. Any kind of field or job or career. Right. If there's a legitimate version out there, there's also a scammy version out there. Exactly. <laughs> and especially if you're dealing with a group of people where desperation is heightened, right? For a lot of people that are getting into the art world that are deciding that they want to do this as artists, right? You're an entrepreneur who is starting a business. So you're starting and a lot of a lot of us are starting from scratch. And there's a modicum of desperation there because it's not as clear cut as, okay, so if I want to get into distribution of this product that already exists, there is a, there's a standard that you're going to, if I want to sell insurance, there is, there's an outline, there is a thing that you could follow. When it comes to being an artist, there isn't really an outline that you could follow other than put your create art right? Create art is number one. The second one is put it out there so that your audience could find it. Your collectors could find it. Your people could find it. And the third one is get comfortable with selling the art. Other than that, it's just managing a business and all that, all that crap. But that's secondary. Nothing would be happening if you weren't creating the art. So first and foremost, you are an artist that creates art. And then the art takes on a life of its own when you share it out there. Most right? definitely. Steve Martin said, be so good that they can't ignore you. But really, and that's good. I like that quote. But also, it's like, be so omnipresent that they can't ignore you. Yeah, I love that. Um, Diane said, you're speaking my language. When I realized the door was shut to me for interior design, I decided to build my own thing that is my own with my rule. Yes, Diane. Yes, Diane. That's the, and you know, and I love it because as we have progressed over our, our career over the years, there have been, it's course correction, right? You go into this model where you're like, you might go into a model where you think, okay, well, this is the direction that I'm supposed to head, right? Because you haven't really worked out the kinks in the ideas that you have of what it means to be an artist. And then you do it for a while and you realize, wait a second, this sucks. I don't want to do this. Or am I chasing validation? Or am I blank, blank, blank? You could say whatever it is that you want. But as long as you are really doing course correction to realize 
I don't want to do anything typical, right? Like what other artists are doing. I want to do what I want to do, the things that make me happy as an individual in this art career, right? Because, and that's the thing, whether you're an artist or you're an entrepreneur, you're going to be fighting all this pre, all these preconceived notions of what it means to do what you do, right? One of the biggest ones right now is the hustle culture mentality, right? Where it's like hustle, hustle, oh, hustle. Yeah. You that if you want to make it, you have to be on 24-7. Exactly. And like that's bullshit. That's not sustainable. You can't, you can't do that. You have to really, really think about what it is that you want out of life and make that happen now as much as possible. Ev said, I've gotten to the place where if someone offers monies for art reasons, so you can have money to do what you want, but... I'm already doing that. Hmm. <laughs> if you get your brain to that point, you realize your worth and then you can negotiate better deals because you are never desperate. Exactly. That's true. And oftentimes when when big money is being waved in your face um, under the guise of so you can do what you want, what they really mean is so that you can do what we want. Um, and it's, it's not all it's cracked up to be. And oftentimes those deals, especially in the music industry, right? Those deals were we're going to give you this money up front, but it's not a, it's not a grant. Like you're going to earn that money back, or you're going to owe that money. Like it really becomes indentured servitude. Oh man, there's so many record deals where like so shady that were shady like that. Where after everything was said and done, the artist ended up owing money to the record company and having their music shelved so there was never even any potential to earn that back yeah yeah so really it's important to be in a place of non-desperation own your intellectual property never sign it away to anyone if you don't have to um and that's the way to be zara said don't feel vulnerable work from that place don't work from desperation with any venture that's excellent advice thanks that's for everything, even people relationships. Yeah. Too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Desperation. You know, and I've said this before, I've said it in my books, desperation makes you dumb. Your, um, your thinking processes in your brain shut down because when you're desperate, you go into fight or flight. I think about it in like the smallest of ways, right? Like somebody approaches you and they're like, hey, um, it'd be great if you donated some of your art to this event, right? And then they tell you exposure. That's one of the biggest jokes out there, right? The exposure joke. When you think about it, when you are putting yourself out there and you're doing shows and you're, you have your stuff in places and you're doing all this stuff, right? I remember when we first started, people would tell me like, oh, we'll give you exposure. And in my brain, I was like, oh my God, exposure, that's great. And then the longer that I was doing it, where like I was putting myself out there in all these different places they come to me with exposure and like, I was like, what, what kind of exposure really are you going to give me? We like, are super exposed. Yes, exactly. We're exposing ourselves all over the place. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> if anything, I'll be giving your event exposure. So like, there's a big difference there in just that attitude where you're moving forward, where a gallery approaches you and they're like, you know, we have, we could give you exposure from being here, we're a prestigious gallery, and you're in a place where you're like, um, I don't need that exposure. That'd be cool. But if we're going to do this, let's do it as partners. What can you give me and what am I giving you? And that's really the way that I've approached every business deal. Every time somebody's like, would you donate some art? Um, anything like that. I approach it from that place where I'm like, listen, I've been doing this for a long time. And I know how to put myself out there. I don't I don't need anyone's help to put myself out there um, because that's that's what I special. I might be I might be an artist and I create artwork, but I specialize in putting that artwork, expressing myself and putting it out there. I've said, yep, I worked at a coffee shop for a year to make money to help our fam, but I wouldn't shortchange my art. Its worth is not to be diminished. I've lost my ego about all of it. Oh, absolutely. And Ev said, that happened to me. We lost so much money with music. Oh, with yeah. Labels. Uh, Zara said, even Prince got caught up in music slavery. That's why he started his own record oh, company. Yeah. A lot of them. A lot of them. Not just Prince. Um, I mean, a lot of them. A lot of them. Michael Jackson. Uh, you know, a lot of very savvy business people. But it wasn't until after they got signed that they started. I think Taylor Swift went through that. 
Yeah. You know, so it's like every, every, those deals are still out there. They are. Uh, And really it's predatory for people that are desperate, for people that are desperate to, I want people to hear my music. I want people, you know, and, and it's really desperation to become famous now. Right. That's the thing. That's the same thing that artists fall for all the time with all these things online and stuff. It's desperation to become famous now. Yeah. And they're selling you. Honestly, they're selling you the dream of we're going to do all the shit that you don't want to do for you. All the marketing, all the promotion, all the earning revenue, all that stuff so that all you have to do is make the art. And that sounds really tempting, right? Yep. You have this big amount of money behind you and this team of people doing all the stuff. And yeah, wh- who wouldn't be tempted by that, right? Yeah. Um, but the problem is, like, you lose you lose all your creative freedom in the process of I doing lo- it. I love that Ev says, how come a taco truck at a local fair gets exposure and still gets paid, but not an artist, <laughs> right, Ev? Isn't that hilarious? Fried said, funny you mentioned that. I get emails all the time to review products under the blanket of exposure. No, I don't want your $50 product for 80 hours of work. Seems to penetrate every industry. It does. It does. Man, we get, you know, we have a YouTube channel. We have the podcast. We get approached by quote unquote sponsors all the time for stuff that I'm like, I'm not going to, I'm, you know, it's like underhanded like stuff that they want to pay me to promote and I'm like I would not buy that myself nor am I going to suggest this to the people that follow us and trust you know our conversation and our stuff like I'm not going to do that but it's always funny to me because then I'll go on YouTube or whatever and I'll hear that product being sponsored and I'm like ooh you know like that's Mm -hmm. and that's the thing it's like we're not when you get to a place where you're not in it for the money. You want to make money, but you're not in it for the money. You're not chasing a buck. And you more so rely on authenticity and your way of living, the way that you want to live, the way that you want to be, your morals and all that stuff. It just becomes much more important. And really, that's what art is. Art is all about self-expression. Anybody that you know of in the past, um, even if their art is something that you don't, you're like, I don't get it. It still, it was about self-expression. Ev said, I think one of the big rules that's getting shattered here is the rule that one must be famous to be an artist. When I was 17, that made sense. Now, it's such a silly thought. I guess I grew. Yeah, let's talk about that, right? Because there is this idea that in, that in order to have a viable, sustainable career as an artist financially, that you must have a big following, right? A million people, a hundred million people, a billion people. And the truth is that you don't need a million people following what you do in order to create a financially viable career for yourself. No. In fact, someone had said, and you know, I, I don't know if it's super accurate, that you only need about 10 loyal collectors to have a sustainable art career. I'm not sure that I agree with that. <laughs> I don't agree um, with that. There's there's uh, an artist course, uh, you know, the uh you know, you don't create a create an art career in less than a year. You only need 12 collectors in order to be able to survive as an artist. Yeah, I I don't agree with that because yeah. it it depends on um how often those collectors are collecting your work, what the price of your work is and so many other variables, but the idea that's behind that that is true is that you don't need global fame in order to have a financially viable career because what you can have is a medium-sized group of followers and collectors and multiple streams of income. Yeah, and all all age bracket or all uh financial brackets, you yeah. know. They don't it's a lot of people are like that's that's where it's uh it uh, you get so many artists that are like targeting the rich Right. As if you could go out into like some weird field and there's a herd of rich people just running about and you got to like lasso them and catch them. And it's like it. rich people are not the only people that buy art. And in fact, it's not an exclusive thing to them. And there are some people out there that are wealthy that don't buy art. So but the perception, 
the perception of the art world is that that's how it is because that's what gets all the news. And really, at the end of the day, it's not the art or the sale of the art that's getting the news. It's the price tag that's attached to it, right? Because any one of us, if you see that art sold for $100, it's not going to turn your head. But if you see that art sold for $100 million, then you're going to turn your head and be like, what? And that's that's really what you're seeing out there. I think in truth, the ideal career for an artist would be to not have the the kind of fame where you lose your privacy, right? To retain some anonymity and also have a financially stable or viable career. Yep. Indeed. That's the dream, I feel like. Diane said, whenever I start to feel desperate, I replace those thoughts with determination. I'll get to where I need to go with determination to get things created and done. Desperation slows you down. It really does. Desperation does slow you it down. It really does. It slows you down. It Your perspective is off. You know, and then you're willing to do things that you wouldn't generally do because you think that it's going to lead you in this direction. And what it does is it just pulls you off the trail that you're on to begin with. Clover said, I thought you had to be a big artist to get into big artist alleys, but that's not true at all. And it's not my main income. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I'm going to be posting a video in a couple weeks where I talk about multiple streams of income. It's like an updated version of where we're at. And, you know, it's, it's looking at every single thing that you do as an artist in a different way, understanding that there are different levels to what people consider, quote unquote, the art world. Right. So there's shows, festivals, they're showing in galleries, showing in local businesses, doing your own pop ups, things like that. All of those things are multiple streams of income that you could focus on doing differently in an art career. Mm -hmm. And so like it doesn't it does. There's not just one narrow road to becoming an artist. There just isn't. Um, Thank goodness. Yeah. That road would suck to travel. It would suck. And you'd be and there'd be a bunch of people on that road. That's the thing. There's no originality in that whole structure, and I think that that's where a lot of people want to be told what to do. And that's fine if you're working in an industry that already exists and has very specific roles in how to do it. But we're talking about creativity. Yeah, I would say, like, this might sound harsh, but, like, don't choose art if you want to be told what to do. Like, yeah. <laughs> choose, choose, there's, like, 99% of careers out there and people happy to tell you what to do. Yeah. But art's not... It's not one of them. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Leslie said a range of patrons, but always meeting new amazing art lovers. Yeah. Exactly, Leslie. Exactly. uh, Marty said, learned from past failure. I was a massage therapist about 25 years ago, and Bath and Body Works loved having me give free mini massages in the window. Did one client come with my biz cards? Right. Right. Ev said, musically, I'm a big fan of Brian Setzer. He regularly puts out videos for his new music. Now, of course, he is drifting on his earlier career, but his videos get fewer hits than Rafi and Klee. Right, and Brian (laughs) Setzer... I know who Brian Setzer is. Yeah. Right? And I remember Brian Setzer Orchestra from back in the day, and he's doing his thing, not worried about the video counts. No. Just putting it out there. I mean, that's the thing. It's it's all of that stuff. You'll see YouTubers tell you that subscriber counts don't matter, and that's the truth of it. It doesn't matter, you know, because, like, you just put stuff out there. And you don't want to become mega famous. You don't want a bunch of... Every time one of our videos shoots up, like where it shoots up and all of a sudden next thing you know, it's got like 100,000 views. That's great. But that's when a lot of the naysayers come out of the woodwork. You know what I mean? And it's like... And for somebody like me who loves to respond to every comment... Now, don't get me wrong. If it grows, that's great. And it'd be great to get more hits on the video. But it's not something where I'm like, yeah... This is success because for me, I'm like, all right, this is great. Now I have a bunch more comments that I have to weed through. And a lot of people here watch one video and they don't know us. They, they're, the video is out of context for them. Um, and that's the thing. It's like, I don't want a bazillion people. No. I, 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 just, I just want our peeps. On hand said, as I got into my 30s, I realized I wanted to make an impact more than be famous. That said, a little internet fame would be fun. <laughs> micro, micro, micro internet fame. Micro fame. 
That should be, we should do that now. We should start, I should write a book about micro-fame. Become micro-famous. The ideal lifestyle. (laughs) Micro-fame. Yeah, Ev said about Brian Setzer still, he's amazing at what he does and he has a loyal following. I think that is truly more important. It is. It is absolutely more important. And I mean, and that's the thing. Validation, right? Because it's, I always think of it this way. Right. When I first started, it's almost like I want to become famous because there's a lot of people that I'm surrounded with that don't understand what it means to be an artist. But if I'm famous, then they'll take me seriously. Or if I'm making a lot of money, then they'll have to take me seriously. Right. And that's the reality at the core of it. At the core of that insecurity was that like needing to jump through hoops, needing to get famous, needing to become super popular where now these people could take me seriously. The irony is that you have to persist through people not taking you seriously in order to get to a place where they will sort of understand what you're doing, but really the reality is you just are no longer searching for validation from that person because now you've persisted and put yourself out there so much that you don't care what anybody says. You're just going to keep going no matter what. I've said, I usually run into the desperation trap when I'm frustrated with my progress on a technique or something that I think I should already have done, but don't. So really it's just the stick man. It is the stick man. It's just your negative internal voice. That's like shooting all over you. You should be further along. You should blah, blah, blah. Leslie said, volunteer at art galleries. Great way to meet new people. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, Leslie. Ev said, we forget that there is a bell curve on everything, even as human beings. This isn't a bad thing. In fact, we as artists should celebrate it. It allows us to explore something new. Definitely. Definitely. I agree. Uh, let's see. Zara said the person who follows the crowd will usually go no further than the crowd. The person who walks alone is likely to find himself in places no one has ever seen before. Albert Einstein. And then Zara said, I don't know if he really said it, but the interwebs say he did. (laughs) Well, I like it either way. It sounds like something Albert would have said. I've said microfame is a great idea. Right? Microfame. Let's become microfamous. Artist Haven said, all I can think of is one hit wonders. I want to be Arrow. Smith. You know, so specifically in this realm, I would not mind being a one-hit wonder. Me neither. I would take it, and I would also, actually, I used to think I wanted to be Aerosmith, and now I'm like, I'm not sure I want to be Aerosmith. I feel like I want to just kind of quietly put my music out there and, like, have it reach its people. And if one or more than one were to go viral, like, I would be cool with that. If one ended up in a film, I would be, like, super stoked about that. Um, But I just want to be creating it and putting it out there. Well, I mean, those are, like, real accomplishments. Like, Mm -hmm. wow, okay, so I got one of of my songs is in a film. You know, one of my songs is It would be dope, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, and and that's the, the thing. It's like you create the stuff and you put it out there and then you let it do its thing. It's going to do its thing. There are so many, like, books, songs, um, movies that when they first came out just didn't get the hits, didn't get the views, didn't get the the reads. Until much later. Until years later. And that's the thing to understand. It's like, yeah, maybe it's not going to happen right away, but that's if that stops you. If it doesn't happen right away and it stops you, then it's done. There's no future there. But if you continue moving forward and just going in any direction that, you know, it takes you, then there's a future there and you have no idea what's right around the corner. Yeah, I feel like the one hit wonder phenomenon often comes from the existential crisis that follows a hit song. And it's this internal naysayer that's like, you're never going to be able to do this again. Like, you peaked. (laughs) You peaked with this song, and that's the best you had in you. And so, uh, which, you know, we did a video called, I think we called it Life After Your Greatest Work. Yeah. Right? When you feel like you've really done something amazing, and like, how do you keep going after that when you're not sure you can top it? Um, But it's always, no matter what, I guess not being, not being determined to top what you did, but just being in the creative process and seeing... 
what comes out of it. I mean, the thing about a one-hit wonder is that that also falls into that perception of success, right? So what makes it a one-hit wonder? Oh, it became super popular. You know, it became pop, um, iconic. It, this one thing came out, and it was like, holy shit. And you're, you know, you created it, and you're like, I don't even know what the, like, how the fuck that happened. And then... You know, everybody is like, oh, that's the only thing I know of them. They're a one-hit wonder. And the truth is that that only happens if that person stops, like you said, because they have a hard time because now everything becomes a comparison to that. But the truth is that, like, you don't know why things become popular. Like, it's very... that's the reality of it. Like, yeah. And that's why something... I've had videos that I posted and it wasn't until three years later that all of a sudden that video just spiked up out of nowhere and I'm like, what the heck is going on here? I have no idea. And so, like, it's just, for me, with the experience that I have, um, it's just creating the stuff, putting it out there, understanding that maybe the right people aren't seeing it or whatever is going on. I've had that happen with artwork, too, where... You know, I've released something and I'm super excited about it and nobody cares. And then a couple years later, all of a sudden it's getting all the likes and all the stuff and it sells. And I'm like, okay, I have no idea what happened. But it's it's just a way of the world and allowing yourself to go with the flow. It's kind of part of the excitement of putting stuff out there. Like you just don't know yeah. what's going to happen with it. Zara said, businesses are actually looking for smaller size creators with great connection with their audience, much more than hugely popular creators. Yeah, but again, it's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, but the business has to be something that is in line with where I'm at. And for a lot of that whole like sponsorship area, we have we have a sponsor, Canvi.com. Canvi.com is amazing. We believe in them. We believe in the company. We believe in the people. We adore the people there. We know that they're really, really in it to try and help artists as much as possible. So, boom, that's my jam. I'm like, that's a partner that I want to work with. Somebody like Temu, who recently contacted me and was like, we're going to give you all this money if you just do a video saying that you like this or you like that. Um, And I'm like, no, you have like 585 negative reviews for like packages getting lost or cheap stuff coming. You know, I'm like, no, I'm not... I'm not going to support this, even if I'm going to get free stuff and money out of it. Like, I don't want to. I've said, guys, I'm never going to give you up. We just got rickrolled. That's amazing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Thanks. Tish said, I said Aerosmith because they had their growing pains, but 40 plus years later, they still make yeah. magic. Aerosmith. A lot of one-hit wonders aren't doing what they love anymore for whatever reason. Oh, yeah, the, the longevity of the creative process of Aerosmith, I fully agree with. Yeah. Um, the idea that if you love this thing, you'll be doing it forever regardless I, I'm totally on board with. I mean, and that's the thing. Like, Aerosmith, U2. How many U2 songs do you know? Dude. You, you probably know... A crap load. A crap load. But there is way more U2 songs out there. And not every single one is a hit in your catalog. I will tell you a funny aside quickly. Uh, when I was a teenager and there were still CD stores in the mall and I was in Musicland and my mom got off work and met me there and I was like, Mom, there's this new band and I have to have their CD and they're called U2. And my mom was like, U2? Like the same U2 that I grew up listening to? They've been around. They're not a new band. And I was so huffy. In that moment, because U2 was my band that I knew about, not my mom's band, right? U2 is, like, legendary for their longevity and putting it out there. Yeah, because they've, they've, you know, through the years, they've experimented, played with music, done things. You know, it's like, you just gotta, you gotta stay in it for the reason that you're in it Mm -hmm. and not to make, that's the biggest thing that we talk about. It's like, you're going to fall into the traps of the music world and the art world, right? All the negative traps. If you get into it and then you're like, it's about the money. It's about the fame. You got to remember why you started creating art or creating music to begin with, right? It wasn't for the money and it wasn't for the fame. And the irony there is that if you want to stay authentic and happy in your career, you're going to have to keep following it authentically and allow the money and all that stuff to come to you in its own way 
versus jumping through hoops or doing stuff that you are not going to enjoy um, to because you're chasing the money. Tyler said, I had a similar one-hit wonder moment when I painted my largest painting at the time. I thought, now what? Since since I've <laughs> painted paintings that are smaller but so much better. Yeah. Life after your opus. Yeah, life after your opus, um, yeah. Galefriend said, I was found on my small Instagram page with my fashion from Milan, and I was invited to show at Milan Fashion Week last year. It was great, but not what I want to do very often. What an experience. That's awesome, though. I love... I love- experiences like that that just come out of the woodwork and you really really realize from experience like wow this is amazing and i'm so happy that i had the opportunity to do this but i wouldn't want my life to be like this probably yeah um diane said there's a castle drawing of mine still circulating on pinterest from 15 years ago when i was in college i found it one day and i was amazed at the life that it developed outside of me yeah your art does like it's like the secret life of your art (laughs) um what it it does where it goes who it interacts with after you is like it's business yeah and it's adventure i wanted to snap back to the the lie that is the hustle mentality in the art world and the lie i think is that your financial viability is directly linked to how much you bust your ass on a regular basis right, right. and this is a lie that i have bought into for my whole life. I mean, Jerry Saltz posted a thing today on Instagram, which was like the life of an artist. You want to become an artist, work, 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 and then something else, and then work, 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 and then something else, and then work, 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 work. And look, this is some Kool Aid that I feel like most people have drank. Like, if you're not constantly busting your ass, then a you're not going to get there, and b you don't deserve to get there, right? Because everyone else is out there busting their ass, and who do you think you are not busting your ass all the time? It, there, it's a lot. It's a lot to unpack. I would say that I'm just like legitimately this year investigating that whack idea, investigating the idea that your money is directly tied to how hard you're busting your ass all the time versus the quality of what you're putting out into the world. Right. Yeah. And rewriting that narrative. And that's because that falls into the old structure of time equals money. Right. Um, basically you are getting paid for time, right? That's, that's how the world works. Now you get a job, you get paid for time, right? So you give up time and then you get money for it. And it's easy to get into this career um, or any career, really, and still hold on to that idea that time equals money. You know, time equals money. Here's the thing about time is that time is, you know, you can't, time is relative. Um, And all these things that, all these myths that exist about talent and all that stuff, you know, um, could really muddy the waters and you find yourself work, 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 and not understand that creativity, the source of creativity comes from happy, stupid fun. It really does. Yeah, it does. And this is one of those things that I feel like it's so pervasive. It's been said so many times that it feels like it's a universal fundamental law. Like gravity. Yeah, but it's not. (laughs) It's not. We made it up just like we made up everything. Ev said hustle culture is a lie in every single aspect of American or American-affected culture. It's open slavery. Go to a country where quality of life means more than money, better life, better art. Absolutely. Absolutely. Effin-lutely. I've had that experience where I've gone to another country and you just see the laid-back way and there's so much more philosophy, so much more art. Better priorities. Better priorities. And I feel like it's just, it's here it's like work until you die kind of mentality. Yeah, and then pass along whatever spoils you reaped plus debts that you owe plus shit mentality to your <laughs> offspring. Exactly. So they can do the same thing. 
Cameron said, I'm surprised Dick Blake is not a sponsor. They comment on 90% of your video. Oh, I love Dick Blake. Yeah, definitely. You know, and the truth of the matter is that I would probably, I will promote Dick Blake, Dick Blake, whether or not they are a sponsor or not. And that's the reality of it. That's why I'm a very bad YouTuber. We certainly would not turn down Blick if they offered sponsorship. Just putting that out there. (laughs) Um, So I just wanted to say on the hustle culture mentality, um, it's great to be on, 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 on and performing at a high level when you are like feeling it and you have the momentum behind you and you're enjoying it, but it's not a sustainable lifestyle all the time, long term, forevermore. And it can be really scary and stressful to try and break yourself of that habit when you believe that time and money are oh, yeah. linked in that way. Yeah. And we're experiencing some of that now. Uh, but it's really the emotional work, right? You can physically, you could physically slow down and step back, but if you are agonizing about it, then you haven't done the work. And so it's really investigating that idea and really figuring out for yourself whether you think it's true or not. And if you think it's not true, then what is true, right? For me, a truth is that you put out a lot of good, bright, quality uh, stuff out into the world, like it's going to come back to you. Yeah. And you can only do that from a non-exhausted, uh, balanced place. Troy right? said, work for five hours hard a day and then do the stuff you want to do. Robin Sherma. I, you know, that's, that's cool. I think that that is most definitely an improvement over the mentality. Yeah, and that might be it for some people. And that might be it for some people. For me, it's more along the lines of really, really eliminating most of what is considered work. And really, it comes down to what's going on in your mind. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I would rephrase that. Where I want to be now in my life is, you know, work for an hour a day and the rest of the day just doing what you want to do. Or it might be a perspective shift of like, I have fun so hard for five hours, and then I relax. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Sometimes I forget that my work is fun, especially when I have deadlines and stuff, and I feel stressed out about it. And I have to remember like, oh yeah, my job is to make jewelry and music. Like, let's retain perspective here. I'm not going to a soul-sucking job I hate. And if I was, for some reason going to a part-time job to remove the desperation factor to get us through, you know, tight times, I still would do that and still try to maintain the perspective. Yeah, and that's why we call it the corporate side side hustle, you know, because really it comes down to your perspective and how you're approaching something. I realized, like, sitting down and doing admin, that's the part that I would consider work. But the thing that gets us in that trap is thinking, like, oh, I have to do this. Mm-hmm. And remembering to reset your mindset and realize like, no, wait a second. I want to respond to my emails. I want to keep up with this. I don't want this. I don't want to have that feeling of being behind. I don't want to have that feeling. So I am going to do this and I do want to do this. And if it's something that you really cannot justify doing it, then eliminate it, get rid of it. Um, That's the reality of it. I think when it comes down to like, all of these things, all these perceptions that are out there as far as like rules in the art world, you got to work, 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 you got to do this. And you've got a lot of people that are experts that are in the art world that are even saying stuff that like, given the experience that I've had, I'm like, yeah, that could work. But like, really, I don't know. This needs to be tweaked. You know, it needs to be tweaked to fit into my agenda, what I want out of my life. And that's really the thing that I think I'd really want to promote here is like no matter what the rules are in the art world, in life, or anything like that, you gotta just gonna look at it and say, how can I tweak this to fit into what I want? What mm-hmm. I want. Cameron said, if hustle alone made people rich, there are hundreds of people I know that should be millionaires. <laughs> totally, Cameron. And you know, I know it's bullshit because I have hustled my ass off and I have found myself saying, I do way too much to be this broke. Like, right? If time is money, I have put in the time. Where's the money? Right? And so obviously it ain't like that. It just isn't. It's not a fundamental law of the universe. It really is about 
what you're putting out and where you are. And it is about quality of life. Nanu's like, I do not read emails. I know, Nanu. That's why you never get any of our emails. <laughs> I've said my brother-in-law asked me about our choice to relocate from California to Portugal. He's a very um, stressed out hustle real estate guy. He said it takes two hours to get and drink a coffee. Yes, please. I want. <laughs> that sounds great to me. Oh, In yeah. fact, I spend about one hour drinking my coffee in the morning, and I have no intention of changing that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Clee, uh, I totally understand when I get up in the morning, if I ever feel like I have to practice guitar, I laugh and remind myself that I get to play guitar and paint for a living. Silly human. Exactly. And, yeah, absolutely, Ev. Exactly. And it, and it really does, you guys, it really does come down to mindset every single time. Like, just your your mindset and not falling into the old trap, right? The old trap is, uh, I have to, you know, it's usually, it's usually preceded by a, uh, like Ugh. a grunt or something. <laughs> and you're like, I have to blank, 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 blank. And you're sitting there and you're like literally victimizing yourself. Um, and when it comes to like art and creating art or working on something with your art business, to do that to yourself, to basically form that foundation of stress based on something that you want to do. You want to do this thing. And it's it, when you stop and you look at your perspective, it allows you to realize, like, why am I doing Am I doing this because underlying I'm chasing some money because that's not going to motivate me? Am I doing this because I want to express myself, because I want to put it out there? Then yes, that's going to motivate me. One of the rogues said something that punched me in the in the feels uh, the other day, which was a lot of the things that we put ourselves through and the stress and some of the hustle or maybe all of the hustle is in fact an attempt to justify our existence, like that we're worth the air that we're breathing and the resources that we're consuming. And I think this is a lie that is so insidious that we would need 10 more podcasts to talk about it. But especially for creatives, this idea that you need to justify your existence and what you're doing by killing yourself. By killing yourself. So you could show everybody else how hard you work. Is maybe the worst lie of all time. Yep. And yep. and I I'll agree. just stop there. Like, just chew on that. Because I have been for the last however many days since... Because that's something that is in the background. It's background noise. Justify our existence. Yep. But it was just said in such a concise and profound way that it... It brought it to the foreground for exactly. me. Exactly. I mean, it's a great thing to think about. And that makes me want to kind of segue into the last thing that I want to quickly cover before we wrap up the podcast, which is this lie that you should be really concerned with what your audience wants, even if you haven't met your audience yet. Yep. <laughs> that you should figure out what other people want and make it, and yep. that you should jump on trends uh, and I know the rogue family's laughing their ass off at that idea because we don't do that here. But um, but a lot of us are sold that lie too. And look, that's not that's not what art is, and that's not how new innovative art gets made, and that's not a sustainable model. It's not. It's not a sustainable model, and that I would say that that's the number one reason that there are a lot of amazing talented artists that will never show their work or show their art or create anything is because they get stuck in the trap of creating a body of work of things that their perceived audience wants and they cannot figure it out and so everything they create is just not good enough because you're looking at your artwork through the guidelines of what do other people want and you can't do that you can't do that because if not, none of the artwork will ever be good enough. It just right. won't be good enough. Um, and at the end of the day, you just got to create what you create and make sure it's good enough for you. And if it's good enough for you, then it's good enough for out there. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's just simple, pure uh, creation, right? 
write the book you want to read, make the jewelry you want to wear, write a song you want to hear, paint a painting you want to see, and so on and so forth. Break that rule. I am breaking the rules hard in music by jumping genres all the time. Like, I don't know what genre the song's going to be. It's whatever genre the song is, right? I mean, I break rules in art doing the same thing. Algorithmically, that is a huge mistake. But I'm just writing the song that's coming out of me. I don't have a plan. <laughs> I mean, They Might Be uh-huh. Giants does that. They're doing just fine. Yeah, no, you know, and so then what happens with bands like They Might Be Giants is that no one knows how to classify them into a genre. People love them. And someone labels them, oh, well, they're political. Because we don't know what else to say. <laughs> Which essentially is shorthand for they're saying some shit with their music that we don't fully understand. But we like it. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, if you're a They Might Be Giants fan, you are loyal to Hella. all of their music. Yeah. Uh, Troy said, really successful people do not grind all the time. Exactly. You know, there's no need for it. In fact... All the really successful people that I know, when I'm hanging out with them, I'm like, do you even work? Do you do anything? You know, like... That's... And the truly happy ones are like, no. No. Nah. Not really. <laughs> uh, Jenny said that justifying lie is one of uh, one of the only ways corporations succeed. Yes. Yes, Jenny. Yep. Yes. It's true, and it's insidious. Marty said, beneath the sigh or victimizing voice in myself... With the financial or technology or networking, more new skills, I realize beneath it is my insecurity, questioning my competence or worthiness. Yes, Marty. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. You want to get to those underlayers. There are some people out there, and we I get their comments all the time on YouTube when they run across one of the videos, where they don't want to look at that stuff. And it's like, you, you have to look at that stuff, because if you're not doing the thing that you want to do then that means that there's something that is holding you back from doing it. And the only way to really do it, to to go and do something, if you're not living the life that you want, then you're going to have to drastically change something about the way that you think in order to live a different life. And there are some people that just get really, they, they watch our videos and they just get really mad and they write an entire thing where they're describing you know, it might be directed at us, but they're essentially listing off all their insecurities mm-hmm. and all the reasons why it's impossible using it as justification to not do the thing that they really want to do. Cameron said someone's art will eventually be a trend if you put it out there and show people, give people what they didn't know they love with your unique art. Exactly. Exactly. Everything that trends was not trending. Right. When it first came, it, it, tre- it eventually trends, but everything, there's no way to, there's no way to predict it. Things trend, things stop trending. Um, some things you remember uh, with a modicum of nostalgia and you're like really happy about it. And some things you remember like, oh, let's <laughs> never do that again. Ev said, my art mentor once ahead of a major animation studio said to me once, don't ever be someone else's wrist. He would only teach me if I promised to never draw the corporate characters he had to. Oh, that's awesome, that's Ev. That's great. That's a great way of saying that, too. Don't ever be someone else's wrist. Diane said, I fell into the trap of chasing trends, and it took me several years to fix my mistakes and find me. I need to be honest with people and make things that mean something to me. Anything else is a lie. That's the thing, you guys. You are either desperately running after a trend basically never really able to keep up right and then the trend changes direction and then you're like running this way or you're out in front of it and you're the one creating a trend without even realizing that you're creating a trend dan said i don't know what my style is but the more i paint the more it emerges i trust my audience will find me they're the people who like work made by my authentic self yes exactly totally exactly dan valerie said i'm a total trend breaker in every way love it valerie (laughs) ev said clee as you too well know i jump creative projects like a ferret on espresso (laughs) (laughs) never bothered me bugs a lot of straights though (laughs) 
And the people that are going to be offended are going to be offended anyway, right? Yeah. By the jumping of genre or the jumping of projects or whatever, what I, have you. I think about it. I've gotten to a place where when it comes to like stuff that we put out there, if somebody gets offended, I'm like, I've, what, I, I've got no time for you. Like, I've got no time for you. Because um, I know that what I'm doing in my heart is authentically me. And I'm not an offensive person. Right. It's coming from a good place. It's coming from a good place. You really can't go wrong, right? If you are truly listening to your inner compass, even if it's speaking quietly and you can't hear it all the time, you are being steered in the right direction. Zara said, my membership is designed after all the things I wanted. It's my answer to my own asks. Perfect. Right? Perfect. Yeah. Uh, Leslie said, rediscover your inner child, let go, play, and have fun. Exactly, Leslie. Perfectly stated. I know, right? I think of little me drawing pictures, and never once did I ask, like, what What would the people, the people I'm going to show this to, what would they like to see? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cameron said, one hit wonders would not exist if following trends is how life works. Exactly. That's beautifully put. That's so good. Zara said, I enjoy offending when I'm being authentic. I find it funny. <laughs> <laughs> Nanu said, if you are having artist block or not sure what to do, clean your studio. I keep finding things I want to play with a lot. Yeah. That's great. That's great. I've said audiences are a funny idea. It's kind of weird when you think about it. I mean, I prefer jamming with friends on a porch over being in front of a stadium of people. You can't even see them smile. <laughs> it's true. I feel you on that. Ev. So before we uh, end us, because we're close to the end, and like this, this really has gone everywhere as far as like rule breaking. I think in essence, like everything we talked about is at the core of being a rule breaker mm -hmm. and being a rule breaker in the art world really is about taking a look at the constructs, right? And the human constructs that are out there of what success means, what it means to be important, what it means to be worthy, what it means to all these, all these weird constructs and beliefs, myths that are out there about what these things mean and turning them on their head and realizing that it doesn't mean what it means out there. It means whatever you decide it means inside of you. And you have to determine that for yourself. Because if not, you're going to get pulled in every, in a thousand different directions when it comes to what it means to be successful. You're going to get pulled in a thousand different directions when it comes to what it means to be important. What it means to be worthy what it means to be all these things. Cause you're going to have all these contradicting ideas and ideals out there that are designed and constructed by other people. And so like, it's really getting to the core of like, who are you and how are you going to approach this thing? Whether it's your life or in our career or whatever, how am I going to approach success? What are my standards for success? And it's really stopping and determining for yourself, how am I going to do this? When it comes to being an artist, that's where in the beginning, well, how am I going to approach putting my artwork out there? What am I going to do? I don't care what other people are doing. How can I do this right now in the easiest possible way, the path of least resistance? How can I get my artwork out there? And then once you're doing that, then you're like, how can I get my artwork out there in a different way? How can I get? And then you just follow that path and you allow your own journey to proceed. You don't have to follow the path that everyone's on. That road is crowded. It's crowded. Everybody's jumping through hoops and, and doing what they're told in order to get into an industry. You don't have to follow that path. You could burn your, you could blaze your own trail. You could create your own path. And that way, it's just you discovering you, discovering new ways, new techniques, new things that everyone else doesn't they're not even anywhere near your path so that's at the end of the day breaking the rules in the art world means determining what are your rules coming up with your reason for doing things coming up with your identifications of what things mean that's great i'm not even going to try to follow that you've got that's nothing great. for just, that just let that <laughs> let that sit 
Yeah, it's good. Uh, Ev said, I love how none of this talked about skill level or technique. Those are learned tools. Getting past our own misconceptions, nicely done. Yeah. Thanks all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. D- technique, learned, it, all that stuff, that stuff that we could learn. You don't know, how, I already said this in another video or podcast, you don't know how to draw a hand, right? That, that's the, the, the bane of a lot of artists out there is like hands are hard right but they're so lucrative Shit, even days. ai is having difficulty with hands <laughs> um you know like yeah, they're so lucrative these days this hands are so lucrative they really guys. are you this... really should learn how to how to draw hands sorry guys that's an inside <laughs> joke that came out of something that's now won't let go of me the but you you draw hands for for a month 30 days every day just draw a hand draw hands in different shapes and stuff like that by the end of those 30 days you'll be a pro at drawing hands you know what I mean? So it's like all of that skill, technique, there's no point in talking about that when it comes to the art world because that's all stuff that you're going to pick up, you're going to do. The more that you do it, the more you have it. <laughs> Does that make sense? The more you do it, the more you have it. Yes. You know, yeah. and that might just be my own rule. Well, that's a good one. <laughs> And then you'll have all the money because of how lucrative hands are. Yeah, hands are so lucrative. Great discussion, Rogues. I really got lifted up by this one. Oh, thank you, Ev. Uh, Semi-dark color, high contrast, line swirls, intense shading, and my insane use of color. Me, no matter what style of art I do. Yeah, that, that is great. Yeah. Today's trend, hashtag break the rules. <laughs> Thanks, That's Tish. good. I think that's a good sign-off place. Yep. Uh, Zara said, when it comes to marketing, you can be completely authentic and still leverage trends. It's intentional strategy and takes your marketing hat on. I Yeah, I mean, you can as long as the trend is something that you feel like doing. You know, yeah, if you're if just jumping on a trend just because it's a trend and I'm like, don't do that. But if it's something that you're like, oh, that could be fun, then yeah, I would absolutely do that. Thank you, Clee and Rafi. Great start to my day, to be or not to be. Yes, Leslie, thank you for being here. And I want to give a big shout out to the awesome rogues that were here. This was a great discussion. Uh, great conversation came out of this. You guys are just beautiful, and I adore you. And for everybody that's listening to this, thank you guys so much for listening. Hey, if you like this and you want to listen to more, just go ahead and click somewhere around here to subscribe. And other than that, I think it's time to go. You want to say goodbye, Clee? Good day. Adios.